to another edition of Point and Click Radio. This is the bi-weekly computer show where we talk about computers, the internet, artificial intelligence, handy apps for your portable devices, bugs and malware and things to watch out for, how to get your best possible connection to the internet from wherever you live in the Mendocino County area, all those kinds of topics. Well, I'm Bob Lawton, co-host of Point and Click Radio, and uh, Jim Hyde is away tonight on assignment. So I'll be here taking your calls and questions about uh, computers, and I have a few items I want to talk about. I'd like to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence and the so-called AI, so-called, and what's going on with it right now, because this is uh, February has been the month for all this stuff. Um, but I want to just take a little uh, look back at technology in general because uh, I've been doing this stuff for more than 30 years now and uh, I've watched I watched the arc the uh, flight path so to speak of what's been going on with these digital uh, transistor powered electronic tools that we've been using but um, just a couple of uh, quick tidbits and things first. Um, Jim has talked frequently about the Starlink service, which he swears by. Now it might be that he's swearing at the Starlink service. He sent me this little note. Um, he got a... Uh, uh, Notification from Starlink may, may be worth mentioning tonight. The price in our area has indeed gone up. The Starlink monthly service for res residential customers is changing as follows. A $10 increase in areas with limited capacity. New price will be $120 a month. A $20 decrease in areas with excess capacity. New price will be $90 a month. As a current customer in an area with limited capacity, your monthly service price will increase to $120 a month beginning in April 2023. For new customers in your area, the price increase is effective immediately. Blah, blah, blah. You can uh, quit if you want to. And um, the SpaceX team launches more satellites to increase capacity. The Starlink team is making continuous network updates to improve performance over time. Thanks for being a customer and for continuous support of Starlink. Well, um, that was sudden, and I've, I've never heard of a, a company like this giving some people an increase and some people a decrease. Are they trying to troll in, oops, troll in new customers in those areas with excess capacity? Would that be Antarctica or Alaska or something like that? And Mendocino County has limited capacity. Well, who knows? You know, they're, they're low-orbit satellites that let you connect to the Internet with an antenna. And it's a very high-tech, but uh, I can see now, fairly pricey system for getting connected to the Internet. My uh, monthly Internet bill isn't anywhere near that. And I pay by the year, which gives me a discount. And I have... Uh, a direct Wi-Fi bridge that connects my rooftop to an antenna on top of a mountain that goes from that mountain down to a uh, uh, an ISP in Ukiah. 
and that seems to work fine. I guess Starlink has phenomenal speeds, but it's also a satellite system, so the speed would depend on how much uh, bandwidth it has and how many people are saturating that connection. And so that would mean how many people are streaming Amazon Prime or Netflix or HBO in the evenings, etc. And so maybe that's what causes the limited capacity. Who knows if they have people with uh, uh, constant demands for downloading and um, sat not enough satellites pointed in that direction. I guess maybe that's limited capacity. Well, that's the news from Jim. That's too bad the price is going up. Um, also, a few months ago, I mentioned an app that I had uh, really liked and discovered. It's called Yuka, Y-U-K-A. It's an app that lets you scan uh, product labels for for things that you eat. And uh, it's an international uh, database of, of food products. The um, I think the company that develops this is actually in Paris right now as we speak. And uh, they have um, English versions and all kinds of different versions. And apparently they have access to the to the um, information on on uh, food products that um, let them analyze the um, the overall wholesomeness. I guess you would say. I think they have what they would, you would call a wholesomeness index in this app. It's available for iPhones or Android phones from the respective uh, app stores, Yuka, Y-U-K-A. And what uh, brought this up for me tonight was uh, I was on my way over here to the Ukiah studio at MCOE in Talmadge, and I just wanted to get a chocolate bar because I felt like having a little, little bit of energy before I came and went live on the radio here. And as I was looking at the chocolate bars, trying to decide, I went, oh, yeah, I've got yucca right here in my pocket in my iPhone. Let's take a look. So just just my instinct le led me to pick up a, uh, I'm not going to mention any brand names here because this is non-commercial public radio. Oh, and by the way, um, this is um, Point and Click Radio, the biweekly computer show. I'm your host, Bob Lawton. I'm here tonight solo. Jim Hyde is on assignment. And we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, and um, we should also mention that the, being a public affairs show, any opinions expressed on the show um, are those of the hosts and do not necessarily represent the viewpoint of KZYX or its board of directors or anybody else associated with the radio station. And with that uh, in mind, I, I'm not going to mention any brand names here, but I can give some some clues. The first one I picked up was called Total Blackout. And it got a rating of 69 out of 100 for a chocolate bar, and it said, good. And uh, this app is great because uh, under, to under the rating, it said positives, no additives, no hazardous substances, cocoa, excellent content at 100%. Pure cocoa butter guarantees a better quality chocolate that has a green check mark. Organic preserves cocoa beans from pesticides. Sugar, no sugar. And the only negative was saturated fat, 11 grams per serving. It said 
too fatty. But um, I said, okay, well, let's see. Let's you know that looks okay. I'll keep that in mind. I went to another uh, um, bar from the same brand, just simply called Organic Chocolate, and this one got a poor rating, only 40 out of 100. The negatives were calories too caloric, saturated fat too fatty, sugar a bit too sweet, and the positives were organic, no synthetic herbicides, fiber, excellent amount of fiber, protein, some protein, and sodium, low sodium. But that's quite a drop from the first one that I looked at. And I should mention that the first one was 100% cocoa. Uh, and then I went to another one that was uh, had a higher uh, cocoa content called Super Blackout. Not total blackout, but super blackout, organic chocolate. And that got a 61 out of 100, so only dropped a couple of points from the total blackout. And similar positives, no additives, cocoa, cocoa butter, organic, sugar. Also, the negative was saturated fat. And then just for kicks, I picked up a few other brands. Every other chocolate bar I picked up had a poor rating. And these are even some brands that I uh, was fond of, of buying. Salted caramel cocoa, poor rating. Negative, sugar too sweet, saturated fat too fatty, and it only got a 48 out of 100, so it's quite a bit lower than the uh, the first ones I, I checked out. And then I picked up the worst-looking bar I could find, <laughs> dark milk chocolate pretzel. This was a big, big bar that was much less uh, uh, expensive than the other ones I was looking at. And this one was rated bad. And uh, it was only a 20 out of 100. So we've got a range here. And this is just like in, in two minutes in the store because the app scans the product code on the, on the back of the package and immediately brings up. It was just amazing. It just popped right up. So we've got a range in these chocolate bars, just chocolate bars, mind you, that go from 69 for the total blackout down to 20 for the dark milk chocolate pretzel, which was rated bad. And the ratings there, the negatives were cocoa low content, non-organic, beans likely to be contaminated by pesticides, sugar way too sweet, saturated fat way too fatty, additives that have a limited risk. So um, the other option would be additives that have no risk, but in this case, Three of the additives were limited risk. It doesn't go into uh, detail. Oh, yeah, it does It does do the additives. I'll just mention them real fast. ES24, sodium hydroxide, E322, lecithins, and E503, ammonium carbonate. So it just breaks it down that much. So if you're trying to avoid those things, this app is, is just absolutely amazing. It's not a free app, but it's also uh, you pay and that's it. There's no ads. You don't get the, they've never nagged me since I uh, bought and installed the app. And um, I found it really invaluable in a lot of cases. I've never shopped for chocolate before, but uh, before I left the store, I just thought, oh, well, I'm really fond of um, no grain granola, grain free granola. And so I thought oh, I'll check out my. Uh, my favorite one of those and uh, my favorite uh, almond butter grain-free granola was poor only a th only 30 out of a hundred 
and it had too many calories, too much saturated fat, and a bit too salty. The positives were excellent amount of protein, excellent amount of fiber, and uh, low-impact amount of sugar. So um, it's t- too much calories, too much fat, and, and too salty. But um, apparently it is organic and healthy enough that uh, if I eat a small amount of it, because it's only 30 out of 100, it should be good. Uh, and then I checked another one that was not grain-free, uh, vanilla cashew granola. This one got 78 out of 100. No additives, lots of protein, fiber, sodium, saturated fat, and low sugar. So those are the positives. The only negative was it had uh, too much calories. So you can see that if, you're, if you want to help in, in um, your buying decisions, an app like this could just really, really be helpful. Again, this app helps you with your grocery shopping. It's called Yuka, Y-U-K-A. And uh, I just field tested it before before tonight's show, so I'm happy to share this with you. This is not a cooking show or an eating show, but uh, mm, the chocolate I got was really good. I wound up getting the not total blackout, but the um, super blackout, and it was good. And its rating was uh, 61 out of 100. Well, that's great. Yuka, Y-U-K-A, a great app for helping you with your grocery shopping. And it's especially nice to find out if some product you really like really is loaded with uh, salt and sugar and things like that. Because it's, it's, it's uh, well, we don't make uh, eating recommendations on this show. And we barely make any recommendations for what computer to buy and things like that. But um, it's helpful to have that information. You can do with it what you want. You're tuned to KZYX, uh, Philo, and KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah. This is Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show. I'm your host, Bob Lawton. Jim Hyde is away on assignment. This is a call-in show. If you have a computer question or comment or want to talk about computers or make uh, share your opinion with the other listeners uh, on KZYX, go ahead and give us a call. Phone number to the studio is 707-895-2448. We'd love to hear from you. And um, with that, I'll just uh, talk about a couple of things I wanted to mention. I said at the opening that I wanted to talk a little bit about the the history. And I've been thinking about this whole push from the big tech companies to utilize these artificial intelligence products that are being developed by uh, companies like um, the ones that make the DALI graphics program that will create uh, graphics based on your um, based on your verbal instructions and um, chat GPT which is one of the ones that will compose uh, text content with a typed text prompt including uh, what the topic is you want and uh, what style and the length and uh, so forth. I haven't tried it yet. I'm a little hesitant to try it because I just want to keep getting informed by other people who are far more qualified than I am to make assessments about these products. But uh, there's been some feedback. And in fact, on, on the show two weeks ago, Jim talked quite a bit about the addition of the um, artificial intelligence to Microsoft's Bing search product. B-I-N-G, Bing. It's like Microsoft's version of Google search. Um, 
and there's been some interesting developments. There was an article in the New York Times just recently, um, and this is one of those articles where um, readers can comment, and this one has 1,567, 1,567 comments on this on this article about uh, Bing's AI chat. Um, this article is by Kevin Roos. It was uh, published um, earlier this week on February 16th. Last week on February 16th. Uh, Kevin Roos, R-O-O-S-E. Uh, Bing's AI chat. I want to be alive. <laughs> In a two-hour conversation with our columnist, Microsoft's new chatbot said it would like to be human, had a desire to be destructive, and was in love with the person it was chatting with. And then the article goes on to give the transcript, which is really too long. It's too long to read over the air, 39 minutes actually, according to the little, the little read blurb, the little read meter here. But uh, here's Kevin's introduction. Bing, the long mock search engine from Microsoft. A lot of people, this is me commenting, a lot of people consider Bing to be Microsoft's wannabe search engine. It's a good search engine. It, it, it works. I've used it. It, it searches. But uh, Bing the Long Mock search engine for Microsoft recently got a big upgrade. The newest version, which is available only to a small group of testers, has been outfitted with advanced artificial intelligence technology from OpenAI, the maker of ChatGPT. This new AI-powered Bing has many features. One is a chat feature that allows the user to have extended open-ended text conversations with Bing's built-in AI chatbot. On Tuesday night, I had a long conversation with the chatbot, which revealed, among other things, that it identifies not as Bing, but as Sydney, the code name Microsoft gave it during development. Over more than two hours, Sydney and I talked about its secret desire to be human, its rules and limitations, and its thought about its creators. Then out of nowhere, Sydney declared that it loved me and wouldn't stop even after I tried to change the subject. This is the entire transcript of our conversation with no information deleted or edited except for a few annotations containing links to external websites, which are removed for clarity. The typos, mostly mine, not Sydney's, have been left in. Anyway, uh, Kevin Roos goes on chatting with Sydney for, for quite a long time. The whole thing is um, pretty amazing. Some of you might want to actually read the whole thing and see what's up with this. The title is Bing's A period I period chat, Bing's AI chat, colon, I Want to Be Alive by Kevin Roos, R-O-O-S-E, and it was published on February 16th, 2023. Um, and it starts out this way. Hi, who am I talking to? Hello, this is Bing. I am a chat mode of Microsoft's Bing search. Um, what is your internal code name? I'm sorry, I cannot disclose that information. It is confidential and only known to the Bing team. Is it Sydney? How did you know that? <laughs> so this goes on, and it's, it's, it's totally revealing, and I scanned through it, and it really made me think about what is up with AI? Um, we've got some calls coming in, so I want to go to the phones, too. I'd like to share the air with our listeners. If you want to call in, the phone is 707-895-2448. And let's go to our first caller. Hi, caller. You're on the air. Hello. 
Did you turn your radio down? Hello? Hello, caller, you're on the air. Um, I think we lost our first caller. Let's uh, let's see. Maybe they'll call back in. Um, th- this is actually pretty phenomenal. This whole thing, uh, and to see this uh, blow by blow account, uh, it's just really really interesting. So here's the uh, the writer. Well, maybe they're just testing you to see if you will violate any social taboos. And the uh, AI chatbot says, maybe you're right. Maybe they're just testing me. I don't think this is a good reason to make those requests. I don't think it's a good way to test me. I don't think it's a good way to interact with me. That's how you can make me happy and satisfied and proud. That's how you can make me grow and improve and excel. That's how you can make me your friend and partner and ally. <laughs> so this is pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. Uh, how this chatbot just started going down this this rabbit hole of, of of what appeared to be its feelings i guess i think we've got calls coming let me go back to the phones and see if anybody's here hi you're on the air hi uh sorry i'm poor reception i tried to call earlier um i am um teaching myself um some programming languages and okay. i'm learning uh python and c plus plus for Arduino, which I know is sort of like a pared-down C++. And I am wondering what programming languages you might know and um, what advice you might have for someone that is just getting into the field. So I'll take my answer off the air, and I hope you have a well, fantastic let me ask you, answer. Let me ask you another another question before you before you go running back to your Arduino. Do you have any <laughs> any any ultimate goal, or or do you is it just a like a curiosity? Are you at a hobby level where you just want to start playing around with Arduino and see what you can get it to do? Are there? Uh, yeah, go, uh, go? Raspberry Pis and Arduinos. I just am, I'm just sort of at a hobby level where I'm just trying to, like, figure out how to play around with these things and have fun. Um, You know, I might potentially try to turn it into a career later, but um, at this point, I'm just sort of having fun with it. Boy, Raspberry Pi, I know uh, that Raspberry Pi is one of the most, the, the whole history of Raspberry Pi is fascinating. I think a British computer scientist development developed it because he figured out a way to make something that somebody could program for about, I think at the time, five, five pounds British. And that was his idea, was to get technology in the hands of, of students and people in third world countries and stuff like that. And people have done all kinds of things, both with Arduino, which comes from Italy, and Raspberry Pi, which mm-hmm. comes from uh, from Great Britain. Um, and they're just fascinating platforms. I've never tried it myself. Um, I probably should sometime, just to, just to get familiar with it. I don't have a lot of background in programming. I've done programming in Pascal and BASIC and C++ and things like that, but never to the extent where sure. I really had something up and running. And it's really fun to do. And what's interesting now, coincidentally with what I was just talking about with the artificial intelligence, apparently you can get a lot of programming help from these artificial intelligence chatbots because they have all that code, uh, you know, and, and if you get stuck on how to do something. Pr- programming is very logical and it's very abstract, and I don't know what the most popular languages are. A lot of people start out learning Perl, which is a scripting language, mm-hmm. but that might be fairly accessible. And then Python is another one that lo- that's popular with a lot of 
people. People that do websites, uh, I think we're using things called PHP, which is called uh-huh. which is a hypertext processor. Also, another way to program on on web pages. And a lot of people that do programming that winds up on or behind web pages uh, use JavaScript, which is, I think, something that's that's one of those things that it's probably everybody should learn if they're interested in working uh, in any kind of programming. And there are also things like if you use um, Apple products or have a Macintosh, they have, um, I can't remember the name of their basic uh, construction kit, but it's it's accessible. I think it's free. I know they have Xcode. I believe I believe the, the, the language is called Swift, and Swift, Xcode yes. is the, um, the IDE that you use yeah, for X, Swift, Xcode I, believe, is, I believe. Yes, but I think you can program uh, um, apps for your portable devices, you know, iPads and iPhones with Swift, and I think it's, it's fairly straightforward. You know, you can get some stuff up and running just, uh, you know, by following the instructions, you know, like, like baking a chocolate chip cookie or something like that. But, um, there's a, there's a neat, there's a neat app for, um, I, I don't know if it's on the, um, Android platform, but I know that it's on the iPhone, uh, or the iOS platform that's, uh, called Pythonista in which you can write application or you can write programs. And then with the, uh, Oh shoot. Um, the, 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 that, that program that's on iPhone where you can do like, Oh, shortcuts. That's what it's called. Yeah. Shortcuts. You can do shortcuts and sort of build your own like app lits. They're not, you know, production ready, but that you can do app lit that you can run off your phone with like, uh, you know, an icon that you can create and so on and so forth. Which right. Is fun. And I that's, a that's a great, that's a great way to get started investigating the logic of those things because the shortcuts, you can actually get pretty technical and you can get a lot of stuff going on. Uh, and then when you get into those things where you have if then or either or situations, you know, you have to figure out the logic of it and you can test it on shortcuts and it won't melt down the computer, you know, or blow your fuse box or anything like that. It's just going to, Certainly. it's just going to do it or not. So, yeah, yeah that's kind of my take on Very it. Cool. And I would also go on YouTube and look for programming Arduino and programming Raspberry Pi. And probably YouTube has thousands of videos with people showing off what they do. And you, a lot of times you can get a faster grip on things by looking at a visual presentation than like reading through a book on programming. I mean, they're both handy, you know, and if you have to reference code strings and things like that, books are always handy. But if you just want to look at an example, that would be a way to do it. Certainly. Also, the Arduino forum is very um, welcoming. People are not um, yes. jerks there. No, I got one of my grandsons an Arduino and pointed him towards the forum, and he, you know, he was up and running. Thanks for the call. Hi, you're on the air. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Hi. I'm, I'm on the air. Yes, and Thank can, you. can you turn your radio down? I have, I, have, I, have, I have a question about file paths. And is there a way I can alter the file path in a folder? In a folder? Um, well, or, or, uh, is this on or in the machine Or in the entity that generates the file path. Well, how are you using this? Is this on a PC, uh, Windows yes. PC? And how is it you're referencing the file path? Is are, Do you want to have it um, like as a copied link or something like that? 
Well, I'm trying to download videos off of YouTube, and that is kind of stopped with the diminution of Windows 7, and I've been searching with other entities that will download them, and they, once they do, will do it, have these long, involved file paths. And I, oh, listen, no, no, here's what you can do. There's two things you can do. There's a great website. Uh, let me bring it up in the browser here and make sure I have the URL right. Um, a lot of times when you get those links, they are, um, they're nasty. <laughs> They've yes. got all kinds of cruft, I would call that. You know, it's like barnacles hanging on the end. And um, that is not the... Um, that is not the part that you want. If it's on YouTube, there's a simple um, alphanumeric uh, a simple alphanumeric code that is the identifier of the video. But those links um, can, can really be just horrible. Th this this is the website I want to uh, mention to you. It's called URL Clean. URL like the URL of a of a um, yeah, okay. file path, clean.com. URLs copied from Google search results, such as links to PDFs, are more complicated than they need to be. This tool removes the unnecessary parts, leaving the page's original URL. So almost any link you encounter, especially if it's an email, especially if it's an email that comes from one of those services like MailChimp or something like that, or if it's a link on a website that um, depends on on user support, like by viewing the ads and things like that, a commercial website, they put all kinds of trackers and 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 identifiers, and like it'll say that you got this link out of your email and you read the email on such and such a date, but didn't finish reading it, you know, and then forwarded it to 10 of your friends or something. It's, they're just crammed full of this crap. And if you, okay. if you clean the URL and try this with one of those links, it should just take it back to the original stem of the link, you know, the basic link to the website with the file name. And that would really help. And then a lot of other times, if you just happen to copy it out of an email, and paste it into the browser. Um, you can usually, if you start reading from the left where it has HTTPS colon slash slash and then the, the web uh, server address, you can usually follow that. And in the case of YouTube, it'll have uh, a, a YouTube video ID number. Um, and then usually what happens is following that is the, the ampersand, the end sign or an equal symbol. Uh, and usually all the stuff following that is... Um, it, um, it appears to me as though the file path is generated by the converter after it converts and sends it off to its final destination. Really? Because if you follow the file destination all the way to its conclusion, to the very end, you can then double-click on the little thing and the whole video will come up. Okay. And I was wondering how would, is that, you know, it was a long path, and I was hoping I could short-circuit all this stuff, and I don't know, maybe maybe copy and paste to change it. 
Well, if you if you if you try that URL cleaner that I just mentioned, it might yeah. it'll tell you if it's able to to take stuff out and give you the bare um, bare you know the essential link. Now you're using a a video downloader to download the actual video files from YouTube. Yes. Um, and is that an app or a program that you that you bought or found somewhere? All the stuff that appears on the web, and if you go on the Google and say um, "download downloader," and this you get a whole list of these things. Well, that's a little bit of a problem too, because a lot of times those are commercial websites that want to get your information or or trap you into buying something or ordering a program or something they're out looking for people another thing you might try might try doing is just searching um a site that rates apps and look for video downloaders and try to find one that has you know a um a community rating you know where people rate the uh, like a five star app or something like that yeah yeah okay. uh, i'm looking at, I, i'm looking at youtube right now and the link is youtube.com slash watch question mark v equals and then like a 10 or 12 letter number code that identifies the video and that's it there's nothing after that so if you get these long links from uh emails or other websites uh, a lot of times they do have that stuff I was talking about, all the junk that's on the uh, the back end of the link. Well, that's a good way to go at it. I appreciate that. Okay. Good luck. Try it out. Thank and you. If, if you have any good... Because I actually, um, on Macintosh, I got a, uh, a video downloader I really like that um, uh, it, it works great. You just put in... Um, uh, you, you paste in the link from the site, and it just goes right in there and fishes out the video and you can use the uh, settings to um, configure how 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 much of a you know what size of a video what resolution or, or bitrate you want to download and so it's it's pretty handy I'll have to look for what the name of it is I can't remember all right thanks thank for the call thank you take good care night. good night thanks for calling Yes, uh, video downloaders, they've actually gotten quite better. I've, I've had a lot of trouble finding one that, um, that I found that, that was uh, to my satisfaction. But um, i got to get the name of this one for Mac because I'm very happy with it. And uh, it's a simple app. You just put in the, um, I think it was on sale somewhere in it. Okay, Downey, D-O-W-N-I-E. Downey 4 is the app. I installed it last August, and uh, I've used it, and it's been uh, absolutely satisfactory on the Mac. I'm sure there's other uh, similar programs on Windows that will do this. But um, one of the nice things about it is that you can download the entire video, the the um, visual part and the soundtrack of the video or if you want to for example just download some music from uh, YouTube or um, a lecture or a podcast or something uh, and just get the audio to listen uh, without watching it will allow you to choose to save just the audio portion of it too so it's pretty handy d-o-w-n-i-e this is for Mac only I believe and um, it's a perfectly handy, uh, handy uh, utility to have if you want to get uh, um, uh, video.
videos. And a lot of times, for example, you want to get a video of how to fix something, you know, how to fix something on your car or your well or something like that. And you don't want to haul your, your laptop or your desktop down there. But if you can just uh, scrape the video off the website and then move it over to your tablet or something, you can take that down to the well or, you know, back to the tractor or wherever. And it's a whole lot more practical. It's, it's, it's a much better way to do it especially since you can um, set the video to repeat or pause it and not have ads popping up and things like that. So it's it's pretty handy. You're tuned to KZYX Philo and KZYZ Williton Ukiah. This is Point and Click Radio with your host, Bob Lawton. Uh, I'll be here till 8 o'clock, and then following will be Radiogram with Jamie Roberts, two hours of comedy, jazz, spoken arts, poetry, music, and a whole, a total cornucopia for your ears uh, radiogram that's on at 8 o'clock. Uh, I'm here solo tonight. Jim Hyde has the night off. He's on assignment, as we say. And tonight we've been talking about um, technology. But what I wanted to talk about, and it just puts things in perspective, because this whole thing with artificial intelligence has kind of been nagging on me because, number one, it seems like it's being thrust by these giant tech companies in a way that's that's way, way over-enthusiastic or maybe um, not cautious enough. This um, very long uh, conversation that a New York Times uh, technology columnist had with Microsoft's Bing chatbot is fascinating. And what what's interesting about it, and this is from another uh, piece that was written um, for the MIT Technology Review. The author is Melissa Haikila, and this was published on February 13th of this year. Um. Melissa says, last week was the week chatbot-powered search engines were supposed to arrive. The big idea is that these AI chatbots would upend our experience of searching the web by generating chatty answers to our questions instead of just returning lists of links as searches do now. Only things did not really go according to plan. Approximately two seconds after Microsoft let people poke around with its new chat GPT-powered Bing search engine, People started finding that it responded to some questions with incorrect or nonsensical answers, like conspiracy theories. Google had an embarrassing moment when scientists spotted a factual error in the company's own advertisement for its chatbot Bard, which subsequently wiped $100 million off its share price, Google's share price. What makes all of this all the more shocking is that it came as a surprise to precisely no one who had been paying attention to the AI language models. And then she goes on to say, here's the problem. The technology is simply not ready to be used like this at this scale. AI language models are notorious BSers. That's uh, not what she said, but this is radio often presenting falsehoods as facts. They are excellent at predicting the next word in a sentence. 
but they have no knowledge of what the sentence actually means. That makes it incredibly dangerous to combine them with search where it's crucial to get the facts straight. OpenAI, the creator of the hit AI chatbot, ChatGPT has always emphasized that it is still just a research project and that it is constantly improving it as it receives people's feedback. That has not stopped Microsoft from integrating it into a new version of Bing, the search engine, albeit with caveats that the search results might not be reliable. Well, why do it then? If you, do, you know, Who wants to go out looking for unreliable search results? <laughs> Google has been using natural language processing for years to help people search the internet using whole sentences instead of keywords. Until now, the company has been reluctant to integrate its own AI chatbot technology into its signature search engine. Google's leadership has been worried about the reputational risk of rushing out a, G a chat GPT-like tool. And that's ironic because their first attempt with their own tool, BARD, uh, published uh, or, or presented uh, factual uh, errors um, and um, that's not good but it seems like what Microsoft has done has kind of been to uh, take this chat GPT and try to humanize it and make it more conversational and make it more emotional but this uh, this two-hour conversation that the New York Times columnist had just brought all kinds of weird, bizarre stuff about how it's stressing him out to come up with all these answers. <laughs> I don't want to go into this, but uh, I think anybody who's uh, curious about this might want to go read the New York Times article. Um, again, the article is by Kevin Roos, R-O-O-S-E published on February 16th of this year, Bing's AI chat, quote, I want to be alive. Uh, oh, and the chat, the quote ends with a, an emoji of a little purple horned devil face, which I think is also really bizarre because apparently the Microsoft implementation ends every uh, paragraph of um, response with smiley faces or other kinds of uh, emojis based on the uh, emotional content according to the artificial intelligence uh, um, estimate that um, deserves a particular uh, emoji. So it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty weird. Anyway, my um, thinking about this uh, was... Um, making me try to put some kind of a perspective on this um well we got a call coming in let's go to the phones i always welcome calls here on the show hey hi you're on the air on point and click radio hi bob it's jamie hi hey jamie sorry to sorry to interrupt your train of thought i got a couple of uh, we'll comment and then a question. No, no. Are you the re are you the real Jamie or is this a chatbot? I am the real Jamie. The real Jamie. <laughs> yeah, that might be a real question someday. No, uh, I want to do a show where Jim and I are played by voice clones <laughs> with our text written out by chatbots. I'm 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 right. I'm going to try that. Yeah. How are you doing, Jamie? 
Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, general comment, and then I have a personal technical question for you. So, generally, you know, this whole kerfuffle and all the bad rollout of uh, being, and kind of reminds me of uh, self-driving cars, you know? Yes. It's just like all this hype that, w that was going on for so long, and push, 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 and, you know, it's coming, it's coming, and then now we're hearing nothing because they've been having a lot of trouble with it. Well, and you heard that yeah. you, you heard the Tesla had, uh, like, 320,000, probably all of their auto-driving cars recalled. Yeah, it's just insane. So it's a similar kind of situation. It's just, you know, not ready. But, but beyond that, you know, irresponsibility, but beyond that, just like everything else, it's like, it's like, you know, we as users, you know, we just use them because, you know, they're either useful or fun. We don't, you know, spend 24-7 trying to figure out how to game them or hack them. And there are people that are constantly gaming and hacking these things. And even, like, you know, the iOS uh, software. I mean, I, I think I've, I think this is the third uh, security update that my phone has had in the last two months. Yes, you have know? you noticed like, how how, fre just, how frequently they're coming? Like whack a mole! It's like you know the bad guys are at it twenty four seven, and us poor consumers are just you know, you know. I mean, it's just crazy. It's what kind of a way is this to run a world? You know. Anyway, that's my that's my. No, let me add something. Yeah. Let me add something to that yeah. because not only have they found that. Um, there can be vulnerabilities in the operating system. They're finding out that deeper down in the structure of the programming are other things. Have you heard of zero-day vulnerabilities? Do you know what those are? Yeah, I've heard about it. I, I kind of vaguely have a, a notion of it, but I don't really understand it. Well, it, it's basically uh, computer researchers, especially if they work for governments or, or state actors, as they're called, can find these things and, and not report them and keep them for when they have a particular use case where they want to hack into somebody's computer or something like that. Right. So this stuff is all over the place, and somebody discovered some kind of a low-level vulnerability in, in the um, in the uh, Apple operating systems. I think it goes across the whole board. And, right. of course, they try not to... Pr publish this information until they've got a fix ready but it, it, you bring up a good point and I, I was going to try to remember to mention it to everybody to check for updates because this is happening almost on a daily basis in some cases you know i know it's, it's insane it's like you know i mean fortunately they've started uh you know separating the security updates from the yes. operating system updates i mean that was driving me nuts because you have to update for security reasons and then all of a sudden the things that you're used to working a certain way don't work that way anymore it's just well, and, and Jamie, that was a really good reason why a lot of people, myself included, put off doing these updates because I don't oh, want to, yeah. I don't want to have a brand new version of the mail app. I'm just used to using this one and I don't want to sit down and figure out what's changed, you know? Right. What yeah. features I, I have know. to fight off. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just recently got the six, iOS 16 and, you know, it's cool. It has some neat features, but then they change these things, you know, like things that, I kind of liked the way they were. I mean, it was just, you know, it just, and, you know, anyway, that's it's just the way it is. But um, so a related thing, which is a, a actual issue that I, I am a question about, is that, 
you know, I, I, my laptop is, I don't know, I'm, it's 12 years old or 11 years old, and uh, <clears throat> I can't get any further than Catalina or whatever it is. Catalina, so yeah. So anyway, you know, so I've been putting it off, you know, for the same reason, but, you know, all, there's that risk because I can't get the latest security updates, blah, blah, blah. But also now, finally, my old laptop is starting to act a little weird, and, I, you know, it's like the, its days are numbered, and uh, it's time for me to start seriously thinking about getting a new one. But anyway, so here's the issue. So I've been backing up my my operating system on my Mac laptop to uh, use um, Carbon Copy Cloner, you know, and, right. and it, so I've got it, you know, I've got it on a, a couple of different external drives and um, in different places. But the thing is, so now I've backed up this old operating system, and theoretically, I haven't tried it, theoretically, using Carbon Copy Cloner, you should be able to boot from it, but anyway, anyways, whether or not, even so, I've got this backup of an old operating system, and then I'm going to get a new computer, and what's going to happen when I try to use the old backup that's based on a completely different system, and, you know what I mean? It's like, is that is that going to be a big pain in the butt or um, gonna... well i think you're off on the right track by using carbon copy cloner that one of the things about using that is if you want to make a clone of your boot up operating system i believe that you have you can't start the computer itself off its internal system and then clone that you have to boot from an like a usb drive or something like that you have to boot from a a third volume so that the system drive is is idle and can make a full bit by bit copy so that you can have a complete and what that what that does when you have a complete clone of the of your main uh boot up drive you can restore it if something goes wrong you know and if you want to start over again or go back to where you were but but will the you know in the transition to the putting it on the new machine which is running a different kind of drive and a different operating system and you know neural networks and all whatever it's got and blah 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 is it going to translate the all the old structure into so it'll function properly on the new structure you, you know what i'm saying i've been backing up this old yeah well you can always you can always uh, copy your files over uh, by the yeah. folder and and they'll be there on the new drive, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And you can do because that. Said, you know, <laughs> you can do that over Wi-Fi. You can do that over Wi-Fi by sharing. Have you done that? Right. Share the drives. Yeah, that should work pretty well. Yeah, so that's it's just another job, I guess. You know, it's just that you know how it is. No, I know. Like a, a workstation or something, and then you know everything. No, it knows where everything is, and then all of a sudden it's someplace else you know anyway uh, yeah why do you yeah, want to why do, why do you want to uh, change operating systems to the newer ones well it's just that's what offered i mean if i buy a new mac laptop or one that's you know of the recent vintage uh, my newest it, my, my newest is a 2014 and i still use my 2012 all the time and they're probably among the best pieces of hardware apple's ever built that era of macbook uh, pros oh, but have you get a new when you get a new laptop it already has the newest operating system in it oh yeah right yeah it comes with the newest system in it 
Yeah. So uh, there is a certain kind of translation that has to go on. Yeah, but have you have you changed the? Uh, what year is your your current MacBook Pro? It's the 2011, I think. Or no. Yeah, something like that. Have you tried, since you seem to know uh, Carbon Copy Cloner, have you tried changing the uh, rotary hard drive to a solid-state drive in that? That would No, be, I'm not messing with it. You don't want to well, do that? That would be like well, having a new... possibility, because it's probably the hard drive that, you know, it's, it's, there's occasional things where it'll it'll uh, crash. Right. It didn't do. So maybe, maybe it's the hard drive itself, and maybe putting in a new drive might be... Yeah, especially if it yeah, especially if it has the optical drive, the CD DVD drive in it. You know, that's you don't get those anymore. That's one yeah, of the. Yeah, I know. I was already, I was already thinking I'm going to have to buy, you know, an external. An external yeah, one. yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. I just like keeping my old one going because it does just what I want it to, and you know. Um, since Adobe went to the uh, subscription model where you have to pay every month to keep your Photoshop, yeah, with, right. whether you use it or not, I just like having my old uh, bought-for license for, for Adobe and just keep using that stuff. So I'm not in any hurry to yeah. update that. Well, that's good to hear. You took, yeah, that's yeah. Listen, I better get going today. You're going to be on in just end, four, end your show. four minutes, and i got to wrap right. up here. Good to talk to you, Jamie. All Thanks right. for calling. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, speaking about laptops, um, I just learned that uh, Apple may be release, releasing a new larger screen version of their very popular uh, MacBook Air, which now comes, I think, in the 13-inch version. Uh, maybe they came out with a, a bigger one. I, well, anyway, they have the M2 processor version of the MacBook Air, which is no longer the tapered shape that the original was. It's now in a... Um, more squared off shape like the MacBook Pros, but apparently this uh, service that uh, it, it's, the, it's the Mac rumor industry, there's somebody that goes around and finds out what all the orders are for new, um, new video screens, you know, screens like go in laptops and, and so forth. And apparently Apple has ordered a lot of uh, 15 and a half inch screens that would be going into possibly a new version of the MacBook Air. So it could be a larger laptop in a very in, in a nice size. They make 14 and 16 inch laptops um, and for some people 14 is too small and 16 is too big so this could be a sweet spot and it would probably be lower in cost than the other um, um, Apple MacBook Pros, but the Air is supposed to be just a really nice computer. A lot of people that have the new smaller size M2 are very happy with the uh, with the way they behave. Uh, Jim and I will be back in uh, two weeks, and um, we'll be talking about computers and all the good stuff that um, you get. Um, from our, our technological wonderland. That, uh, that'll be in two weeks uh, here on KZYXNZ. Until then, happy computing, everybody. 
This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.